Welcome to the Go Podcast. Go aspires to engage the local church in global missions. We seek to share mission stories that encourage, edify, and equip other Christians in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ at home and abroad. This podcast is a part of Liberty Bible Church Global Ministry. Your hosts for Go are Cami Sandner, a missions partner with Liberty, and joining her is Kevin Cram, pastor of global engagement at Liberty Bible Church. Welcome to the very first Go podcast. I am your host, Kevin, and with me is Cammie. Hi, Cammie. Hi, Kevin. The subtitle we chose for Go is actually uh, a Great Commission podcast because the heart behind it is this desire to understand what it means to live out the calling to make disciples from Matthew 28. Uh, so quite naturally, we decided to focus our first series of four episodes on the theme of making disciples in everyday life. Um, so over, over the next four weeks, we're going to hear from guests, from missions partners from our church who exemplify that vision. So Cami, who is our first guest this week? I'm so glad you asked. Our first guest is Michelle Montenegro in Costa Rica. Michelle serves as a missionary, cross-cultural leader in Costa Rica with the Latin American organization Singular, which she helped establish with her husband, Lisandro. Thank you f- so much for joining us today, Michelle. How are you? Good. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. This is my favorite topic ever. (laughs) Great. Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got into your current ministry? Yes. Well, I am a Hoosier. I lived the first 23 years of my life in Indiana. So I miss sweet corn and blueberries very, very much. I grew up at Liberty Bible Church. I went to Taylor University where I studied political science. But what I learned through a missions experience in India was that I really wanted to invest my life is short achiever self into impacting people spiritually. And so I just find it fascinating and loving that God and people can connect. And I have had these authentic experiences with Jesus that I just want everyone to have. So missions was not on my radar, really. Um, But I became a missionary in the next 20th year three years of my life have been here in Costa Rica. So it's been 23 and 23. So half of my life in both places. And I originally made the commitment of two years. And I remember thinking that is so long, but um, upon arrival, I concentrated on learning Spanish and really on taking on being Costa Rican as much as I could. And I was so moved by how Jesus did that when he came to earth, you know, as a missionary, so to speak. And I love the the language of Philippians too. You know, he didn't consider equality with God something to hold on to, but he emptied himself and he took on humanity. So um, I actually haven't thought about those years in quite a while, but that process of not holding on tightly to being a Hoosier and emptying myself or assimilating is what we would call it in a missions term. It was it was pretty brutal. Uh, no one knows your school. No one knows your last name. Um, no one can understand what you're saying. Uh, but for me in this kind of, you know, life is short, achiever self, it was, it was the best. Um, it turns out that it was, it was brutal. It was beautiful. It was brutal. If we can make up a new word and, um, you know, maybe becoming a missionary was ended up being more about God's mission in, in my life, maybe than, than my mission in, in Latin America. Well, that's great. Michelle, our church, Liberty, has been partnering with you guys for many years. In fact, from the very beginning of your ministry, we've been partnering with you and I tell you, one of the things that's always impressed us with is just how clearly you see your 
calling to make disciples. So I want you to tell us a little bit about how that life of Jesus, that model of Jesus shapes the way that you actually do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a great question. So Jesus's life on earth started to shape ministry for me when I noticed John 17, four, that before Jesus died on the cross, he told the father, and I imagine him like looking up and saying like, father, I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Like it's done. I've done it. But this was um, pre-cross. So it made me ask the question, what was this work that he was talking about? And I was invited to start looking at Jesus's life on a timeline. So chronologically, so birth at zero years, public ministry starts at 30 years and then dies at 33 and a half years old. And I started to ask the question, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why didn't Jesus die as the perfect sacrifice for the sin of the world when he was younger? I mean, zero to 30 years, plenty of time. Why not get it over with? If that's all he came for, you know, why did it take him so long? But then on the other hand, I was like, well, why didn't he die later? You know, 33 years old is such a short life. He could have died at 70 or 80. So it was there that I started to see, you know, God's, that God's omniscient, you know, omniscient plan was not only to send his son to die but also to send his son to live and that his life during those three and a half years models exactly what he invites us to do with our lives in making disciples. So he's not going to get to the end of his life and say, Hey, you guys go and make disciples. If he hasn't shown us exactly what to do. And that's what, that's the work he was doing. It's what he completed before he died. But it's not done. And so he, in leaving, passed on the baton to us and saying, hey, just like the father sent me, I'm sending you guys to complete this work that I've been doing. Um, his, his strategy to impact the world for thousands of years was what he showed us during those three and a half years and in, in choosing a few people for years, not days, months, years to come and see who he was up close. So in a very practical way, I actually thought it was very presumptuous, like to even try to do what Jesus did, but I wanted to try because like I said, you know, he gave up everything and he took on humanity to show us this. So I felt like it, it was right to try. I identified some girls in my life. Um, I have some girls that I felt like God was putting in my life on purpose. And I intentionally invited them into a relationship of coming to see Jesus up close. And they were all at different, um, different moments in their lives, spiritually on their journeys. But I just wanted to mention the first girl, her name was Sylvia. And I'll never forget the day she called me. It was a landline. There were no cell phones at this point. And she's like, Michelle, guess what? What? Gabby wants to know if I can do with her what you're doing with me. And that was it. That was the day. That was the moment that I realized that this ancient strategy, you know, that Jesus did of making disciples 2000 years ago in the Middle East works today, no matter where you are in the world. And I began to see how disciple making is so intelligent. It was like such a smart strategy that Jesus gave us because it's not about conversions, but it's about inviting people to follow Jesus in a way that they become disciple makers themselves. That's, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing. I wanted to talk about something that's a little more personal for me. 
I know when I came down there for a couple months and I was staying with you, we'd had what we called Tommy death time. So it was just you and me at the breakfast table kind of doing life together. So my question for you is why are one-on-one relationships so important as opposed to other traditional ways like training in a classroom or large group settings? That's such a great question. And I'll mention Talmida is, since you mentioned that, that is the Hebrew word for a female disciple. So in Spanish, we have discipula, but in English, it's gender gender neutral. But in Hebrew, Talmida, a female disciple. So it's such a good question because, of course, there are times when classroom training and uh, large group settings are appropriate. We have those two in our ministry. But when it comes to disciple making, this is what I notice. I notice that Jesus zoomed in on a few. So we've got John one, he chooses John and Andrew. The next day they go to pick up Peter, Philip and Nathaniel. And they're just five that walk along together for one and a half years. And then by his third year of ministry, they're this huge group of 12, you know, 12. And then in the 12, he still has his three, Peter, James, and John that he calls closer. So I'm seeing more and more that the days of Jesus's ministry, when he was actually surrounded by crowds are minimal. We we often think about him around crowds, but they aren't, they, they move his heart, but they aren't his focus. And I have this growing list um, from my own study and quiet time of all these verses where he leaves the crowds and retreats with a few in the later part of his ministry. He speaks to crowds and parables and explains the truths to a few. And throughout the gospels, we see several others who want to be part of the few, but they're not chosen. It's, it's very interesting. Jesus didn't disciple everyone and I can't either. And I'm a wife and I'm a mom and I'm a ministry leader. So I actually find Jesus's example of focusing on a few so practical and so healthy because I'm that, you know, life is short, achieve yourself. I'll always want to have more and more. But if I trust Jesus's strategy and I walk along with a few, they will have a few and they will have a few. And because of that multiplication effect, the larger group isn't forgotten. It's actually impacted more relationally and more intentionally. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, You know, Michelle, my wife and I, Kathy, we actually came down to Costa Rica. You remember in 2019, we got to spend a week with you and your husband and your family and um, got to interact with your ministry a little bit. It was just an awesome time for us. And I think one of the things that impressed us when we were down there was just discipling for you guys isn't just a profession, you know? Tell us a little bit about how you've worked out that vision of disciple making in your friendships and your marriage and even in your parenting. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's exactly. It's not a profession. Um, I wouldn't even say it's a ministry. It's a lifestyle and it touches everything. Um, in fact, sometimes I wish I wasn't a missionary so I could show how to make disciples in a normal career or in a non-ministry life, because I just, I really, really want everyone to know that they can make disciples. Um, one of my favorite things about disciple making is that you don't have to have a certain personality or gifting or education, or be it, sometimes we feel like we have to be at this certain stage of, you know, spiritual stage in life, but Jesus, it's like, no, Jesus didn't give up everything to come to earth to show us something only a few people can do. It's for all of us, for all of us, wherever we live, 
whatever stage of life we are in. And we, we all have a few people around us. That's the idea. Our marriage, our children, our friendships, our, our neighbors, our communities, we all have a few people around us who we can invite to come and see Jesus up close. And I know without a doubt, every person listening today can impact like Jesus did because it wasn't Jesus who did it on his own. And he's, you know, he's the expert disciple maker and he reveals it's John 5, 19. The son can do nothing by himself. So it's nothing, not even make disciples. And maybe someone listening feels like that. I, I can't do that. Well, Jesus didn't do it on his own either. And this is why it's like such an awesome model on how we can really follow him. When he became like us, he couldn't do it alone either. He lived in complete dependence on what the on the father, the father told him where to go, who to talk to, what to say, how to say it, when to listen and exactly what to do. And, and in that same way, if with disciple making as a lifestyle, the father does the same for us. We don't actually make disciples. He makes disciples through us. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing with us, Michelle. Um, Thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Really quickly, do you have um, a way that people can get more information maybe about your ministry, um, you and your husband's ministry, a website, things like that? Yes. Look us up at www.singular with an S. Uh, we're singular for a singular focus on Jesus. So singular.org. So singular.org. Many resources about Jesus in English and Spanish for all of you who have Spanish uh, friends, Spanish speaking friends in your life. Thanks for being here with us this week, Michelle. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So before wrapping up today, um, what we're actually going to do, we're going to end on a note of personal reflection. And in fact, this is something that we're going to try to do every week. And we're going to uh, pose it with a question. So, um, Cami, how are you going to lean into uh, prayer this week as a result of our conversation with Michelle? Oh, that's a hard question. There's so many things that I could truly lean into, but I think for me, especially this week, I'm really going to focus on the intentionality behind the one-on-one -on -one relationships. I know it's hard in work. I'm a cosmetologist, and so I'm with people for hours at a time behind the chair and just really being mindful and aware of what I'm saying would be great. So I think that's going to be my prayer for this week. Yeah, for me, I... You know, I'm a pastor, so I have that title, you know, and I have the title of professional ministry, quote unquote. Um, but one of the things that I've always um, drawn from Michelle and in her life is just how this is part of her everyday existence, like her relationships with her family and for her, with her kids. And so I think that's just something that I want to pray into this week is, is that I live out that lifestyle with my two children or with my wife or with my friendships. And um, it's just such a powerful example um, for all of us. So yeah, it's just really great. Um, we're really glad that we had Michelle here with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We aspire to give you real life stories and experiences to help you in your current phase of life. So next week, tune in for Lisandro. Montenegro, who's going to be talking more about Jesus's method of discipleship straight from Costa Rica. And remember to go and make your life a mission.